0: good morning everyone. My name is Jessie. I am one of the pastors here at Mercy and wherever you are joining us from, if it's your couch, if you're listening uh, in your car, driving someplace, I hope you are doing well and I just want to say thanks for joining us. So today I'd like to start out with a story actually from when I was eight years old. I was a little girl. So I grew up in the Northwoods of Minnesota. If you know where Bemidji is, the Itasca State Park, that's very close to where I grew up. So there were lots of woods and rivers and lakes around where I grew up. And my mom's side of the family, I had uh, aunts and uncles and cousins, and we, were, we did a lot of things together on the summer because all of my uh, relatives were teachers, and so they had the summer off. Well, when I was eight years old, my family and I, some aunts and uncles and cousins and my parents and grandma and grandpa, decided to go on a canoe trip in, uh, near Itasca State Park where I grew up. And so we canoed on these little rivers during the day. And then we, we were going to camp at this one spot called Melt Bend that had been in my uh, mom's family actually for years. So it's this little plot of land that we could stop halfway through and then jump back into our canoes the next day and, 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 and finish it. And so we we get out of the canoes, we we set up the tents. You know, there's a campfire, all the things that we do, and and then we and then everybody gets into tents. I think we had two or three tents, and and they were big tents, so we had you know different people sprawled out in different corners. So people were just beginning to fall asleep, and. Uh, my uncle Paul and my aunt Julie and my mom were actually the last three adults awake. And if anybody of you knows has been camping in Minnesota, one of the things you have to do before you go to bed is kill mosquitoes. So they were up killing mosquitoes with a flashlight. And they suddenly heard a rustling noise. And they thought, huh, that's weird. Maybe there's a raccoon in the tent. Or not in the tent, but rustling around the, the canoes. Well, they suddenly heard more. And then they heard this grunting noise. And it sounded like two gruntings. And they looked at each other and said, oh no, do you think it could be a bear? So they quickly turned off the flashlight and these three adults with, you know, some children and adults snoring and sleeping around them are sitting there frozen listening to this around them. Well suddenly this thing, they start to hear something outside the tent and it comes rumbling, rumbling, rumbling and suddenly they hear a grunt and they look at each other and whisper, I think it's a black bear. Suddenly This nose, right? So this tent comes protruding in and this bear, which we later learned it was, pushes into the tent sniffing. So there's this bear nose where they can't see pushing into this tent and all of a sudden my Uncle Paul in his infinite wisdom grabs the flashlight that they had just been using to kill mosquitoes and bonks the bear on the nose. Now, as soon as that happens, they hear this grunt, the bear walks back, and in sheer silence and freezing, my mother throws her body over her children, and my Aunt Julie looks at my Uncle Paul and goes, I don't think that was a good idea, and he goes, yeah, I don't know what to do now, and they sit there in silence, and luckily the bear, stunned and maybe tired, rumbles away to gather, look in our canoes, and eventually rumbles back. Epic story, right? Now. That story has been told to me so many times, I, I remember it. And it's one of our favorite stories that at every family gathering we still, it, it's a legend. It's one of my very first memories of that family. And here's the kicker. I was not in the tent that night. See, around the campfire earlier that night, I had overheard my aunt and uncle and parents talking about the possibility of bears coming into the campsite that night and how they probably shouldn't tell the children because they were gonna get scared. Then they looked down and saw me listening. And I said, Hey, I don't want to get into the bears. What if they come into the tent? And they said, Don't worry, honey, they won't. Famous last words. So I actually ended up going with my Aunt Jerry, who had some littles that wasn't gonna be sleeping in the tent, twenty minutes away to sleep in a bed in a house, which in retrospect I have no idea why everybody didn't do that since it was twenty minutes away. And when we came back early in the morning, this story was waiting upon us. The epic story of my Uncle Paul, who I still in relationship with and love dearly, bonking the bear on the nose. And from that point on, I was eight years old, and right now I have a nine and a seven-year-old. That story has been told at every Christmas when my Uncle Paul and Aunt Julie had kids. We acted out the story to them. And then when my kids have asked, my own kids have said, so what happens when you see a bear? They all know the story of Uncle Paul bonking the nose on the bear. And it bonded us early on. So we didn't really know my Uncle Paul at the time, but because I knew Paul cared enough to bonk a bear on the nose and trying to protect us as we slept in a tent, became part of our shared experience, became a legend in our family and one that we continue to laugh on and day. So we had this experience and I'm grateful for the experience and the story of all being it there even though i wasn't there it's become a part of my story it's become a part of my family story it's become a part of my tradition so we are in a sermon series where we are exploring what it means to follow jesus and today i get the pleasure of talking about what it looks like when we follow jesus together there are lots of different ways we can talk about following jesus together right and and if i if i could i'd talk for hours which i won't don't worry so today i'm gonna focus on the gift of following Jesus together as one big blended community, one big blended family of all ages, kids, youth, and adults. And why it's important for us as adults, parents or not, to be in relationship with kids and youth. And why kids and youth, it's actually really important for you guys too, to have lots of great quality relationships with adults too. Now Fuller Institute has done some amazing uh, research and has a bunch of resources surrounding uh, the spiritual growth of kids and teens and what some of the best practices are for uh, families and church leaders. And one of the pieces of research that is really profound and what I would like to share with you today is primarily surrounding teens, but it applies to kids too, um, of some research they've done over the past decade. And what they did is they did some research surrounding, hey, what are some of the best practices in terms of, of having teens have a spiritual life, have a relationship with Jesus, right, uh, beyond high school? So no longer when they're in youth group, no longer when they're in kids church, but when they leave and they turn 18, 19, 20 and they're off on their own, what are some of the things that made a difference in their early life that helped them to continue to have a relationship with Jesus as they got older? And here's what they found. One of the number one indicators, one of the number one similarities between kids and youth who went on to have relationships with Jesus post high school was that those who had many intergenerational connections and communications and relationships in a church setting went on, had a richer spiritual life. See, they had other adults outside their parents engaged in community with them And encouraging them in their walk with Jesus now we can think hey you know that makes sense right we're all better when we work together but is this specifically true when we're following Jesus together how much kids and youth need us as adults and how much adults need them and we have examples in the Bible as well of God reminding us the importance of intergenerational relationships So, today we are going to briefly look in the book of Deuteronomy at what Moses, uh, for some of you who have been around in church, might have heard of him, said to a group of people in a time of vast change, and what he said to a group of people who had a variety of ages. So, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to look in the Bible. Well, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for all of the ages represented online today and in our community, Lord. I pray, Lord, that at whatever age they're at, if there's five-year-olds listening to 85-year-old, Lord, Lord, that you would be with us and that you'd be speaking to us. Amen. All right, so Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you were at home and when you were on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, Moses was incredibly intentional in these words about us be, as adults being intentional in talking about God and the commandments and Jesus, right? Not just once, but throughout our lives and in our every day. And the question that I always like to ask when we hear some strongly pointed words in the Bible is why? Why is Moses making such a big deal out of this? Well, let me give you some context to help describe who Moses was talking to and what circumstances they were in. Moses is talking to God's people, the Israelites, who had just come out of hundreds of years of living in Egypt, the land of Egypt, where they had no rights of their own. And he's talking to a people who had just given them these 10 commandments that God had uh, instructed for them on how to live because they had no other idea of how to live, no realization of their worth as human beings. See, God had rescued his people and he's promising them that they will get to enter into a new and wonderful land if they follow him, if they keep the commands, and if they tell these commands to their children and they talk about them day in and day out. And, and I can do my best to imagine what it would be like as a 10-year-old or a 38-year-old or an 80-year-old thinking, Man, I will never forget what God did for us, right? He just let us out of Egypt. I will never forget now. I have a new life. I have a new hope. But let me ask you this. How many of us forget what God has done or forget to notice sometimes what he's doing in our lives? I do all the time. I forget what I ate yesterday. Let's be honest sometimes, right? And Moses knew this. See, Moses knew that their journey physically out of Egypt may have ended, but their formation Their identity as individuals, as children of God, and as a community that God cared for and was going to be forming and moving them into a new land was very much just beginning. See, they were no longer in Egypt, but they also didn't know how to live in this wilderness and eventually into this new land. And Moses was in this for the long haul. See, Moses knew through God that it was not going to be him and the older generation that got to go into this new promised land, that they were promised. No, it was going to be the younger children and the children not born. See, the Israelites eventually ended up, after this speech from Moses, walking around this desert, this wilderness, for 40 years. So it was imperative that the rules, commandments, and the stories of what life had been like in Egypt and how God had taken care of them. We're not just told at the, at the adults late after the kids had gone to bed, but that it was told in every situation, in every day, in every part of the community, at every part of life, and that they never forgot to stop remembering and telling the stories of what God had done for them in their life. And I believe there is truth to what Moses was reminding his people for us today, that God's family is of all ages. Now, as a parent... And what I'm not saying, no, I'm a parent, right? So I I can sometimes, you know, I have two kids, so I think a lot about this. But what I'm not saying to parents is, great, I'm off the hook. What Jesse, what you're saying is, hey, great, I don't have to worry about it. It's all the community's job. No, as parents, we have an immense privilege and opportunity and responsibility as we are the primary influence in our kids' lives. But what research shows today and what I think Moses was compelling his people, the Israelites, to recognize It's going to take a group. It's going to take multiple relationships. It's going to take a community to teach, to train, and to be in relationship with every age of kids and youth and adults and to tell the story and experience the story of what God has done, is doing, and will be doing in the future. And it's why this conversation that I'm having and this invitation that I think God is asking us to do is for everyone. Whether you are old or young, a parent or not, because the reality is we as adults have kids in our life, whether we're parents or not. We have extended family. We, we live in neighborhoods or apartments. We, we belong to a church or belong to friend groups that have kids and kids and youth. You have a ton of adults in your life, too, at school, in the neighborhood, right here at church. And it's up to all of us to not become separate, but to have young here and old here but to help each other remember what God's done and doing. See, each age, each part may look different and sound different. I'm not saying that every single week the three-year-olds listen to the sermon that the 40-year-olds are getting that I'm saying now. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sound and look different. But in order to have that growth, that formation, those relationships that matter, we need to all be connected in community. So I'd like to share two stories of how this has looked like for me, both as a kid and as an adult interacting at different ages and how that's impacted me personally. So about 15 years ago, I was teaching and not in this building, but in a different, the building before Mercy was at uh, in, in our grade school classroom at the time. And at that time, we had a group of fourth graders That were like and i i have boys i love boys okay but boys can get a little rowdy and pushy sometimes right and so um there were like most of the kids in that age group were boys and so our kids classroom could often get loud they like to push they like to shove they like to push the boundaries and i i was commonly a teacher back there i was actually the kids pastor at the time and so they knew me really well so we had a relationship with them i had a relationship with them because i saw them most weeks and as i was preparing and reading over the lesson for that week I remember feeling really strongly that God told me, he said, Jesse, this week, there's going to be a really important lesson on forgiveness that someone's learned. And man, did I feel good. I was like, great. You know, I'm going to steward this well. The kids are going to have an amazing lesson. They're going to be impacted. They're going to be the ones like I'm going to be the person that they say, oh yeah, this was the most amazing lesson that impacted me. And I felt really, really good going into Sunday. And and I was in the classroom with them and, and teaching one of the services and And it was just, it was January, it was negative 40 out, they hadn't been outside, and let me just say, it was not exactly a peaceful classroom. They were loud, they were interrupting, and I'm sitting here trying to teach this lesson going, and I don't even remember actually the, the contents of the lesson, but saying, God, I thought you said that this was gonna be on forgiveness, and they're not listening to me. And, and I, in the most mature way that I could, I ended up just stopping the lesson. I remember distinctly throwing down my sheet and just yelling at them as loud as I could and saying, you're being rude. You fourth graders don't know what you're doing. I'm trying to teach you and it's important. And I was not that nice. I think the other adults in the room kind of looked at me and were like, you know, you can go take a minute. I was like, yeah, 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 I, I probably better, you know, as they're thinking, oh my goodness, this lady is, is, has lost it. And I remember just kind of walking in me and saying, God, what happened? I thought this was going to go different. I remember God just gently came to me and he said, oh, Jesse, he said, I never said the lesson of forgiveness was for a kid. I think there's a lesson on forgiveness that you need to experience right now. And I remember walking back and I don't know if you've ever been in kids after somebody has yelled, they're kind of quiet. And I said, Hey guys. Can I gather you around, please? And and this group of, I still remember their faces. Five or six boys came around me and I just said, guys, and I said each of their names. I said, I'm really sorry I yelled. I said, I was frustrated, you were interrupting, but it doesn't matter. I should not have yelled at you because you don't deserve that. I'm really sorry, will you forgive me? And I remember they kind of looked at each other and one boy boy spoke up and he said, Jesse, I'm really sorry. We realized that we were not listening and we were being rude. Will you forgive us too? And we had this moment of forgiveness as I asked and received forgiveness from them, and they received and asked for forgiveness from me. See, I think so many times as adults, we fall back on this idea that we're the only ones mm. who can teach kids and you something. And while, yes, you know, we're we're leading the classrooms, right, in a kid's church, or, yes, we have to be there for safety, When in all reality, that reminder to me on that day so many years ago and so many other times in working with kids and youth was regardless of the age that we are at, regardless of how long we follow Jesus, we are never done growing. We are never done learning. We are never done being formed to be more like him. We each have something to contribute. I told you a story about my family at the beginning of this sermon. And one other thing about them that I loved is just like we were all in the canoes together and all in the tents together, we never had separate kids' table. How many of you at holidays maybe have, you know, a separate kids' table where the kids go and sit in a different spot? But in my family, what we did, and and it's something that I continue to do, is instead of having separate tables, we merge all the tables together. So we have the two-year-olds next to the 80-year-olds and the five-year-olds next to the 15-year-olds. and while yes like sometimes our ages do need to be separate i think that so many times we can separate kids and youth into one table and adults into the other that we that we silo ourselves and we miss what happens when you have all ages together at the table when i was 14 years old my family uh, was a part of a church that we had um, grown up in and every year they did a kids camp and i think i was like 13 or 14 um, and, uh, my mom later told me this is how it, it went down, but they were, they were, my pastor's wife was in charge of the, of the planning in there. So we're putting a team together to, you know, somebody to do the food, somebody to do the teaching, somebody to do the activities. And she came up to my mom one day after, after Sunday service and said, Hey, Hey, my mom's name is Nyla. And she said, Hey, Nyla, I have a question for you. We're looking for somebody to do activities at this church kids camp, and we think Jesse would be really good at that. What do you think about that? And at first my mom said, she said, well, I thought, what do you mean, Jesse? She's like, you know, I could do it. I, you know, I'm a teacher, I have availability. And and my pastor's wife, Becky, just said, oh yeah, I know you do, Nyla. And, And she's gonna need you to help. You know, she's 14, she can't drive. But here's something that I've been noticing in Jesse that I want to tell you. I think she has leadership potential. And I want and I'm afraid that if we don't start developing that leadership in her and we don't start bringing her to the table with other adults and other teens, that she's not going to get developed and that she's not going to be able to contribute in the way that I think God has made her to contribute. And she said, so I know I'm asking kind of a lot. I'm asking you to help her do this so that we can bring her to the table and we can learn together. Now thankfully, my mom said yes, and I said yes too, and I got to practice having a budget, I got to practice buying supplies, I got to practice researching uh, things in books and the internet, because it was dial-up internet at the time, uh, of researching these games and coming up with a schedule, and I'm sure I was really annoying in meetings, because I was 14 years old. I'm sure I didn't have proper meeting etiquette as I sat with other adults, and I think one, one or two other teens on there. But what I am so, grateful about is the people that said yes to me invited me to the table. So It was my first time of sitting in a planning meeting. It was my first time of having my voice heard in a space that I could be that I could be challenged to and disagreed with and, and allowed to make mistakes and failed. And it took a lot of people from a lot of different ages to make that happen. My mom driving me, the adults being humble enough to listen to my ideas. And I go back to that experience and I still think back that experience is one of the most formational parts of my own leadership my own leadership journey in and outside the church. And the truth is, I think there's many of you who are listening today like me, regardless of what you do for a job or regardless of where you're at in life, that it's because of other people in your life. Maybe it was a teacher, a coach, somebody at church, an aunt and an uncle, right? A cousin, a parent, a neighbor, somebody, right? At every age and stage in your life, pouring into you and saying, hey, I see you. Hey, I notice you. Hey, you can make a difference. And hey, you matter in God's family. See, here's the truth that I think because of following Jesus together and what Moses was trying to tell the Israelites, and I think what research supports today, is that when we are constantly around people of other ages, right? When I'm sitting down with kids or youth, or when, when you're sitting down with somebody who's older than you, and they're telling you stories of their life and, and the things that they've learned, It reminds us that in this following of Jesus together, we're never done being formed. We'll never outgrow our need to continually be like Jesus. And we're never outgrow, we're never too young or too old to need friendships and relationships with others. Following Jesus together is the gospel, and I think it is part of the good news. And it's the invitation that he has for us, no matter what age and stage you're at. So... What's a really practical next step as we talk about these intergenerational relationships? Adults, and if there's kids listening, I'm going to have a separate one for you. So adults, here's this. If you are somebody who sometimes comes to church here uh, in person and you are just watching online today, check out our Kids and Youth Ministry. It takes a bunch of people to make that happen. And I say that not in the sense of we just need bodies. But the more adults we have back on our Sunday mornings, kids and youth programming, where they're worshiping Jesus, where they're gathering in small groups and praying, where they're listening about this big God story and what God has done in the past, it takes a lot of different people. Last week I walked into one of our grade school rooms and one of the adult leaders was, was playing Legos with three boys as they were talking about their week and how their sports practices were going. I walked into the youth group one other week and I saw one of our female leaders talking with students as they were munching on donuts, you know, talking about some of the upcoming summer activities they had. We need people not just to crowd manage, right? But also so that we can have really and build meaningful relationships with kids and youth in a really great place that focuses on Jesus. And if you're already volunteering or maybe you're online and you're not here on a Sunday morning, I would just ask God where you can be intentional in a kids and youth life that you are already in a relationship with. If that's just simply praying for them throughout the week, hey, I know this 10-year-old because I'm friends with their parents. I'd really like to pray with them. If that's actually taking the time to sit and listen to them. We have somebody in my seven-year-old's life that he loves food so much. Whenever she comes over to our house, she makes him a sourdough bread that's just for my son, Simon, because it's her way of showing how much she cares for him and he receives it and, and shares some with all of us, but mainly eats it himself. How could he be intentional? How can you ask the parents how you can support them with? In kids and youth, there's no junior Holy Spirit and there's no junior God. The same God that talks to me can also talk to you. So I just encourage you right now, kids and youth, if you're watching, to grab a piece of paper. You can do this sometime during the week, and I just would ask you to write a prayer request. If there's something you're really questioning about God or you'd like or, or a problem you're having or you're in a celebration, God knows it if you think it in your head, if you feel it in your heart. Or if you write it in your words or you know what I like to do, draw a picture of it. And you know what? God sees that and hears that. And if you even want to, you can tell an adult and they can pray with you too. So my friends, here's the invitation. We can each take a step in building relationships with ages we don't know. Not only is it going to be good for us, but it's going to be good for them when we continue to move forward in following Jesus together.